0: You've overcome a lot of those feelings, and you're able to have now a successful life, emotional life. Very good. However, let me share with you a little advice that us therapists do, or at least should be doing, and in your case, it's going to be also a normal thing to have done in your life, and that is... If you have a mother that's really diagnosed borderline, and if she is that abusive, because today's days we love throwing around diagnosis, and many times we are playing into the games of codependent, and we're still involved on certain levels, you need to go, and I call them called an emotional shower. Therapists, go for peer supervision. Once you've But let's say once you've mastered the stage where you don't need any more supervisor, but peer supervision is a way where we get supervision from each other, from different therapists together, and it grounds us. And it sort of tells us and it gets us clear to stay focused in a certain situation. So being with difficult people, dealing with people that have negativities in their life, I can't see if there's anyone over here on the screen or what. Um, So being if we have difficult people in our life, when we're working with, it does have an effect on us. Just like just going through the daily life, things will get dirty. Same thing emotionally. You got to clean yourself up. If your mother is real borderline and that type person, understand that going 10 years ago for therapy is wonderful. But to be able to how to manage with her, you might need a once a month... Session, just how to be able to be kind the aim how to have healthy relationship with your mother, and at the same time how to still be successful within yourself. Because if you're really dealing with borderline, then I'm telling you, you're not done. That is something that's going to be holding you back. And maybe for a month you'll be good, two months you'll be good, but then it's going to set back. If you want to be a successful mother, then that's the goal. What we got to do, we got to have you solid, strong, and just know going therapy is a normal classical point if you're going to be interacting with anyone that is borderline. We're going to go take now a couple of questions. The first question we're going to go to is Yehuda online one. The number to call and ask your question is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And we're also going to be taking one or two of your questions, texts that are going to be coming in. So let's go ahead. Yehuda, you're on the air with Mordechai.
1: Uh, Hello, Mordechai. Uh, Yes. I wanted to, first of all, thank you for your show. Um, I've gained a lot, and specifically uh, the stigma I grew up with of not going to a psychologist. uh, You've helped me overcome that, and I'm now having therapy to help me deal with stress and with um, depression, so I thank you for that.
0: Wonderful! I appreciate it.
1: Um, my my question is, uh, I'm going through a very incredibly difficult time now. That's why I need help with stress. Um, my wife has been diagnosed with uh, by, by top um, a psychologist here, and I'm calling from Israel. Oh, so my wow! Has been diagnosed with severe OCD. Yes. And and possibly a borderline personality disorder. Um the situation at home is is very severe. And can you, do you feel
0: comfortable <laughs> sharing some of the symptoms? This way just gives me a clearer picture if you're going to just to get an idea. Um, only if you feel comfortable. Remember there are thousands of people calling in. I can tell you last week I've only posted on my phone line only half the half the radio because the other half someone asked a the question. It was practically a lot of emotions going on in the family. So yeah. Let's be aware, just, um, I, it's not able to remove it and change it. So please, I don't want to get a call after and uh, do that. So just share whatever you feel comfortable
1: with. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd rather ask my question first, and then I can... Okay, very afterwards. good. So ask your question. Sorry. My, my question is that the diagnosis is there, and my wife is refuses to... Uh, accept it, and she won 't go for treatment, she won 't deal with the issues. And I realize now that she 's getting um, support, she 's being enabled by her parents, her father's a big Russia Shiva, you know they live with that stigma as well, and they refuse to believe that a psychologist will be able to help her, and as long as they give her that, that backbone, there's nothing I can do. And I, my, my question to you is, I don't know what to do. Can you advise some way how I can break through that shell of my in-laws that they should stop enabling my wife and, and preventing her from getting the help she needs?
0: Okay. Let's take your question. This is a very, very complicated and difficult situation. And the answer is going to be like in a minute, but the putting it into practice will be a lot longer. And I'm going to share with you a concept and... I don't necessarily mean you, but I definitely mean anyone that is in a relationship with borderline, if we deal with that. For those of you that are listening I don't know what borderline is, I don't want to give the exact technical definition because there are so much more to that, and today we're diagnosing everyone with borderline. It means whoever doesn't want to go for help, borderline. Whoever yells and screams, borderline. Whoever things have to go their way, borderline. Whoever's a cutter, borderline. Like, we start diagnosing all that, I don't want to go into what it's is what it's not. In short, borderline is a person that has got huge extreme feelings of pain within themselves. They're very needy. They have a lot of issues and they refuse to go for help. They blame everyone else. They do not do their responsibilities. They do not help themselves. They prevent anyone from going to help. And therefore you get, and they're stuck in a pattern. And other than the from world, I've read from one or two different psychologists, their opinions that they Again, it's from books. I haven't seen the study about it. But I've heard that people usually cannot stay married to someone with borderline or in the non-Jewish world, average of about seven years. But then that's it. Now I'd like to go to your point. So borderline are very people that are very hurt, very pained. And the therapy, most therapists try to not work on that. Recently, over the last five to ten years, a therapy... A therapeutic modality has become popular, which they specialize in borderline, and now people are taking into many, many different areas, and that's called DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, and they're the ones that like getting into that. Me, myself, personally, I try to definitely not get into that. Now, let's go ahead and take your question and take it to you. Anyone that is dealing with someone that they have a spouse that has an issue and does not want to go for help, almost all the time you're going to find that they have some support system. Either they'll have some family member, which continues the pain. So if you're going to look into let's so when you mention in-laws, one or both of your in-laws, now, since you use the title Rosh Hashiv, I try not to use that because I really respect Das Tire and respect Rabbanim. So we'll take out the word Rosh Hashiv in this case, but you're going to find that one or both of the parents have an issue why they would let a kid with severe disabilities not go for help whatever that should be. So it could be your mother-in-law's got an issue and your father-in-law's put up with it. Or it could be that your father-in-law's got an issue and your mother-in-law's put up with it. But to them, the scariest word is change. So it can be that clear, that blatant how difficult the situation is. But the person that has the issue will always find a support system not to change. When they lose their support system, they will still then be an action on themselves. I'm still not changing.
1: And what the goal uh, that we need... I didn't understand you saying one of my in-laws, they themselves have a problem?
0: Yes. Which means there is no way that a sane parents would not, would, if a son-in-law would tell them, listen, my wife has got severe OCD, let's take an example, she's washing her hands a thousand times, she's stuck in the bathroom for four hours at a time. Um, she's someone that also, she's thinking about certain notes. She's got to walk through the door like 75 times. She's busy making sure that the kids are saying Krishna for 45 minutes. And you tell that to the, to your in-laws. And let's, you many hours a day doing sponja,
1: for example.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Doing sponja. And normally a mother, a healthy mother would speak to their daughter and say, you got to stop what you're doing. It's not good. You don't have to do sponja. Just do sponja once a day or do sponja once every two days. Not more than that.
1: And if the kid doesn't well, listen tells, to them... She tells her to stop, but uh, she doesn't think that she needs a psychologist to help her.
0: Now, let's stop so a second. To some I don't know. Good, so go ahead, start that path. Who's a mashkiach that your in-laws respect? Because the yeah, goal the, is... Let, let's be clear, now that's one point. So the point is that if a mother realizes that a kid is doing sponja for hours a day, and they told them to stop, and they're still not stopping, and they're not saying, okay, that means we need now the next step. We need either a therapist, or we need medication, or we need both. But if they're not seeing it as a problem and in other areas, there must be an issue by them. No healthy, sane person will not say, we got to deal with it. When I tell a client, you know something, we've tried therapy, we've done things, we need to intervene maybe with medication, vitamins, we need more help. And they refuse, know that there is something going on in the family as well. Now, I'm not saying someone, that also, oh, take medication. Most people don't want to. But when you're doing therapy, you see how it's debilitating, how it's holding them back in their life. And what's going on, they're not changing, then realize there's something going on in the family. So step number one, you need to realize that if your in-laws are not dealing with it rationally, I mean, then there must be an issue, number one. With them, something going on. They might have another child that has a problem. They don't want to deal with it. They can't face it. They might come from, there are more, there's more going on because any healthy parent would say, oh there's a problem here. Son-in-law, I'm behind you. Let's get this. Let's take care of this. If someone is avoiding issues, know that there's something going on that they're avoiding. Now, here is the pro- Now, we're going to get to the solution. And this is why most times borderline situations don't get better. And that's because the spouse, the husband, or the wife, they themselves don't go for help. Whoever is stuck in a situation where the spouse is, has a mental illness and they're not able to get the spouse for help means within themselves, means within you, my friend, there's something holding you back from being assertive and strong enough to say, I am the husband here. There's a problem. This must get taken care of and now. That is a man's I've, right. I've,
1: I've been to therapy. I, I've been getting help for myself.
0: Yeah? How? How many times it, have you gone? What, what tools have you times. learned?
1: I, I, I've been get what, what you were speaking about. I've been getting that many times, how to be stronger, more assertive. But, uh, I mean, it's it just so... My Let me ask was,
0: you, how often have so you severe. gone? How many sessions did you go to that therapist?
1: Um, I'd say at least 12.
0: At least 12. When was the last time you went? Yesterday. (laughs) Fantastic. Then my suggestion to you is, continue. It might take another 12. When you are strong enough, everyone, if you'd like, find books about codependence. You will find that whenever the codependent person switches and changes, automatically either the spouse will go for help or the situation will get a lot worse That unfortunately which I call unfortunately but if there's a separation and that's when the person goes for help and I can give you countless stories I'll just give you one short story which unfortunately wasn't such a positive but there is someone that the um, you know what we're on here and there are a lot of people listening I'd rather not share the story it's but A very difficult show and bias that was going on, and the wife stayed in the situation until finally, after five, six years later, she said, now I'm leaving. I go, what happened? the past, you said you're not divorcing because you're worried about the kids and shaduchim. She says, yes, but now my kids started acting like the husband, started doing those negative behaviors, and I cannot have someone else, I cannot have another girl go through what I'm going through in life. There's somewhere a breaking point where the codependence breaks, and we say, this has got to change. When the person within themselves deals with it, it changes. Let me ask you, have you done in this 12 sessions, not discuss your wife, but discuss weaknesses within yourself? What holds you back from being assertive? What holds you back yes, from me? Make-
1: I've been working on that a lot. But, but can my working on myself save the situation if my in-laws are, are supporting my wife?
0: I will tell you more than that not only can it, but most likely it will. We, you are not a small player. You are the husband Husband means you are king of the lair. Wife is queen of the lair. A husband and a wife have so much power when it's used, and when we're aware of our position, when we're aware of our power, most definitely, one hundred thousand percent, yes, you have that power. What I do see all the time is when the husbands just let go and say, "You know what? It's easier to suffer than to actually continue." So I would like to go to some more callers because people are calling about. I'd like you to know, Yehuda, continue the therapy. Believe in yourself. Find those books on codependent, find those books that there are out there, let's say, married to a spouse that doesn't want to get help. Go ahead, but know that there is hope and there is growth. The number, okay. thank you, and I appreciate you thank calling you in all much. the way from Eretz Yisrael. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, that's 718 683 683- Five eight five eight. Boy, we're going over here. A lot of narcissists. Alright, what advice would you... This is from the text on the j Route. What advice would you give for sons, daughters of mothers with narcissistic personality disorders and enablers' fathers? It's just what we're talking about. Specific issues with public, private humiliation. Jealous from the parent. Um, guilting the child with misuse of the halachas of of aim with regards to continuing contact, how to contact, no contact. All this is back to the first question that we had. You need a Rav that understands. I hate bombarding him with questions, but Rav David Cohen and Flatbush, for those of you that are Flatbush, is one of the people that deal with it. But in every Kehillah, there are parents, to, there are Rabbanim that I speak to, that I discuss with, and it is very, very, very important to deal with that. We're going to take one or two more questions that we have over here, just from the text. Um, this is all the way from England. Unfortunately, I saw my parents hitting each other. Ba'a Hashem, I didn't go for therapy. I wonder why I was saying that, and go on in life. But at times, I'm in deep pain, and it comes up. And the answer to that is, of course, we need to deal with therapy in that issue. Let's just explain a little bit the concept of subconscious. Subconscious means that there's a part of our brain that has a layer, and it works on programs that was seen. So let's assume a subconscious learned to program that when I come early to school, kids might make fun of me, people hurt me, people, um, I'm not respected. The brain automatically sets in a program now, don't talk, don't do things. And when the brain gets that, how do I get back on my screen, who's holding when I go around, I got it. So, um, So the brain now will say, it's not safe for me to come early and the subconscious gets a program, stay late. At the same time, it also works for the positive. It means, let's say a person feels loved in yeshiva in school. They come early, and that's why they have their friends. They love being around people. They love being social. And when they have that, what happens is there's a great success, and they're always early to places, and they feel safe and comfortable with that. Now, let's go ahead and take the third point. And the third point is as follows. The subconscious is a part of the brain that doesn't update itself like logic. So if we have things in there, we're going to find ourselves under stress being triggered to old subconscious programs. That means that if something is going on in your life, if something is bothering you, if someone makes fun of you, all of a sudden you can be stuck, you can get hurt, you can get pain, and you can react that way. So imagine... You're a calm person and someone just triggers you and tells you, you're an idiot. Or someone will tell you, you know, I just can't rely on you. And you're one of the most reliable people. But that was something that was said to you in your childhood and that's a trigger. Also, you can start yelling and being nervous. Why? How many times do we have it that we're speaking to someone on the phone and we say we're going to hang up after two minutes and they sort of manipulate us and control us and we can't let go, we can't hang up. Why not? You can do it to almost everyone out there, but that one or two natures or people you can't, it's because our subconscious somewhere got programmed and is stuck over there. Let's take a question from the Lakewood Scoop and then, we're going to go, then we are going to go ahead and take all your questions of you guys calling in. Thank you for holding. Can you explain how OCD that is not visible to others affect me? I'm able to learn and work. It's just that I'm thinking the entire time about math equations or or that I should touch my chin with both hands evenly. I was never diagnosed. Can you explain to me the effects that it can have on my future? I am married. I am 24 and married. All right. In short, OCD means, stands for O, stands for obsessions, means we have certain thoughts, because sometimes people tell me I'm not OCD because I don't wash my hands 50 times. That is the second, the second letter, C stands for compulsion, but obsessions means we have many thoughts, that so we have to think certain thoughts. I'm not going to diagnose from what you're saying over here just from this without speaking to you, but it sounds pretty likely that you've got OCD. It means if you've got to think math equations in your head, oh, I have to think this while you're talking to someone and your mind is thinking numbers, and if you start thinking about something else, those intrusive thoughts start coming back again, or you're not feeling good if you're not thinking about those numbers, then yes, that sounds like the obsessive part of the O. Compulsions are when you need to do things, and that's like where you need to wash your hands, where you need to say Kriyashma several times, or in your case, where as you're doing, you need to touch your chin with both hands. That is compulsions. Some people have OCD, which many people, we don't hear about that a lot, but I do in the therapy office, and that is where people need to sometimes touch the right elbow then the left elbow, or do different points. That is very important for us to realize that people have O and a C, And we need to deal with it to get better. How and why? Very simple. Because even though you're young and it might not be that effective, that noticeable, as we get older and as stress starts building, what happens is that our life starts getting taken over. And the more stress we have in our life means the brain doesn't have the tools how to deal with it. And what will happen then is we will find ourselves, these compulsions get stronger, the obsessions get stronger. Unfortunately, even not through the stress of life, as we have one of these issues and it stays longer and longer, it does affect us. We're now going to go to several questions. We're going to go take Leia, Leia on line 5, and the number to call in for those of you that like to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. I can see the texts are coming in big time, and I appreciate it, but I want you all to know that our main goal is to take questions, to take the callers, the voices, because that's what people like that's what people seem to hear, and that's what's something that can be fantastic. So let's go ahead, Leah. You are on the ear with Mordechai and many others.
2: Hi, um, hi. Thanks for taking my call.
0: You're welcome.
2: Um, I'd like to ask you a question about um therapy. Um, I know there's a few types of modalities like um CBT and you know typical you know therapy approaches. Um, I'd like to ask you about. Uh, I know you do like subconscious work.
0: Yeah, I'm a very big believer in that as well. I want to clarify that not only I'm a huge believer in CBT as well. I'm a big believer in subconscious work. Yes.
2: So what's the difference? I know there's a huge difference, but what, what's the why does why should someone need like subconscious work or like CBT? What's the
0: okay? Fantastic question. Actually, I really appreciate that. And let's let's take. I'll I'll give it to you as an example. CBT is deal with the logic. Um, You know, let's let's give this example. There are three parts, or more as an illustration, there are three parts to the brain. There is logic, where we think things through. There is behavior, where we do things. And then there is the subconscious, really the subconscious comes first. Then there are the inner feelings, it's sub. And let's give an example of each of those. When you have a feeling, I'm a success, I'm great, I'll make it, or I'm really a loser. I shouldn't be doing this. Um, No one likes me, that's subconscious. Those are the automatic thoughts that come up in our mind. Logic is, when we think things through, do we know how to get dressed? Yes, we do. Do we understand why one plus one is two? Yes, that's logic. Do we understand that we are a smart person? Yes, we have that. So logically, we might know that we're smart, but the subconscious is telling us we're not. So we can have a subconscious saying one feeling, logic saying another sometimes people have misinformation about logic which means that logic will be saying I'm stupid because I got a 98 so then you do logic therapy to explain to you that no 98 is a brilliant mark 98 is excellent you're just raised in a family where you got information let's say where people are perfectionists that hundred is terrible that 98 is terrible but hundred is perfect that is yes. that is logic therapy Then there are people you could work on their subconscious. You could work on their logic and they're just stuck. They're not doing anything. So you could explain to a person why they should get up. They could wake up in the morning saying, oh, I'm going to have such a great day, but they can't get out of bed. And that is behavioral therapy where you need to just get the person to do it. So for an example, you can watch, you can have someone demonstrate 50 times how to put on film. Someone can demonstrate how to bake a cake. But if you don't actually practice it like seven times, at, that's when you get it well. So the brain is really divided into three different parts, and what we need to do is we need to recognize which are the issues that have the core, which are the issues that have the problem, and sometimes it could be all three. The therapeutic model that's done today, that's mostly done today, is cognitive behavioral therapy. Standard, stand, that's where it's called CBT. Cognitive means it deals with the logic. So if someone feels that they're crazy or that they don't do, that they're not doing well on their marks. Then we do logic to explain to them and also to identify, as it's called many times, the irrational belief. Where you got that belief, where you got that thought. We change the thought and what they found is, because originally in the 1950s, let's say they were only cognitive therapists and they hated behavioral. And what they're doing is they're sort of, how should we put it, since... Really, it's Ellis, but Beck is the one that made it very popular. Dr. Aaron Beck is fantastic. He's still alive today in his probably late 80s, probably even 90 hitting pretty soon. Or he's hit that already. And he's put cognitive and behavioral together. So not only do we change our awareness, but now do an action with that. And that's cognitive behavioral. Now, what I found, and I'm just starting, people are just starting to get into that, but that's really what I do most of my day, is I find most of my clients that people have gone to cognitive and behavioral therapy and they weren't successful. Not that the system doesn't work, I want to clarify the system is a fantastic system, but sometimes people need more the subconscious work to change the inner thoughts. Is it more
2: for personality, like people who are...
0: No, nothing to do with personality. These are inner doubts, inner thoughts. You could know, let's say you should know that you should speak to someone and stay calm and you're working on it, but you're still getting triggered. Or you have to fight yourself. Let's take someone that's got OCD. CBT is fantastic results for OCD. But at the same time, what it does is people change their thoughts, it changes also their behaviors, but inside they're still fighting with themselves. Imagine we can now heal also that inner program, not only the logic, because it has to be healed, and the behavior, but we can sort of heal that inner inner pain for whatever reason that the brain is having these thoughts. It's not personality. Personality disorders is something completely different. Now, I have a difficulty when not I use... Not
2: as in personality. I just meant like just a person like more... Um more emotional they are just more complex you know so yes
0: complex is logic many times you can use a lot of the logic therapy to explain don't be depressed the person didn't mean that the people aren't thinking about you but sometimes it's not healing the inside and when we deal with the subconscious the subconscious works in images so with imagery so many of you that are listening or that have heard other programs where I help a person where they have a fear or an anxiety and we've got feedback where people are calling up and saying wow it worked in just three minutes over the radio where we just created imagery And I've only done one step. There are about three, four more steps, which I haven't done on air because that's like a real long time, healing the past, also creating for the subconscious future images. But if you can give the emotional part of the brain its confidence, it makes a big difference so I want to clarify, when I and I, I'm going to say this many times, but I still get this from people, so let me say it again. I be, I'm a big believer in the subconscious, and I am also a huge believer in cognitive behavioral therapy. I take tools. I've just finished a training in trauma CBT, which is trauma-based CBT, so it's cognitive behavioral therapy for trauma. I'm also a big believer, and I take courses all the time, so I'm a big believer in dealing with trauma from subconscious, but also learning the other steps and tools as well. So... What I do is I usually evaluate when I see a client: Do they need the subconscious? Do they need logic? Do they need behavior? Do they need all three? And that's many times what I base the therapy. When people ask me how long will it take, I go, "Well, look what we got to work on. Your subconscious is healthy, your logic is healthy. We just need to do behavior. Your subconscious is not healthy, but your logic and behavior is healthy. It means you're a successful, productive person, but inside you have doubts, so it's less. And that's how I do an evaluation. And It's
2: another thing. Um, I. Well, I heard someone asking this question about subconscious. About, I don't know it was, About what? And about mm-hmm. the subconscious um, concept. And he, he told her that there's not many therapists that, you know, um, do subconscious work. You know, I said, I wonder if there are any female therapists that do it. You know, I'm saying um, I don't want to. First of all, one of the ways to
0: find it is to find systems. where they call subconscious is called inner child work. And there are, I'm pretty sure there's a lot, but I would just go through relief. means I'm just not that knowledgeable with them. I'm pretty much really focused, like, working with clients and doing stuff like this. Like, I don't really interact that much with many, but I'm sure there are. And the words. I really
2: would know that there's... um, They're called inner child
0: subconscious. Everyone knows about that. I mean, just to tell you, the first therapeutic modality was done with subconscious, which is Freud. Psychoanalysis is very, very, very much subconscious-oriented. And that's a large part of it. So that's something that we like. So just to be aware, subconscious is subco- is psychoanalysis, is that. And his daughter Anna Freud continued through psychodynamic theory, which is also very much geared in the subconscious. But um, oh. then the therapeutic modalities later on, because it's subconscious, it's many times you can stay there a long time if you don't put in the cognitive and the behavioral component. So then therapy has moved away from psychoanalysis and has gone to, like, tachlos. we got to see results in 20 sessions, which are great, but at the same time, we still need to heal it. And I still am surprised that the world hasn't gotten to a medium of using both. That's one of my little missions, or one of my little goals, hopefully, Hashem, is to train therapists in these different modalities and combining all, you know, combining all three together. That's really one of my missions, one of my goals. And with Siata Deshmay, the Rebbein will help me to get there. And one of my dreams is to be able to write one or, two, or more than one or two, but several books about it for people to gain the awareness and to start. I'm looking Hashem. <laughs> we got to ask for life and health and their Rebbein just to let all the Shavas, or so the nice dreams that I've got to work out. Thank oh. you for the question. So We're nice. going to go to take a couple more mm-hmm. questions. Lillian, thank you for holding a while on the air. You're on the air with Mordechai. Lillian? Lillian, See, on two. I know two. that I have
3: it because I've been to um, a therapist. that. Wait, can you
0: just start again? We didn't get you right away, so you're talking, but we didn't hear you on air. So just start again.
3: Oh. Okay, so um, I was saying that I have OCD. I know that I have it, and plus I just went to a therapist that told me that I have all the symptoms. Um, and basically, I'm saying it's not like a new thing, but recently... It became much stronger, like you were saying on the air, like with the person from before. Yeah, and I, it has to do, I guess, with stresses or different things. I had a baby and we moved, so it's a little bit like a lot of things happening, and suddenly I feel like it's overpowering me, and I, I definitely want to help myself. I just wanted to ask you, like, what do you think it's? Ha- I could help myself with self help with like books or like you have to really go for therapy
0: so i would ask you that question let's put it into context that we can understand do you think a person can teach themselves how to bake if they have never bacon in their life just from reading a book maybe okay what are the chances of that we're talking about now to most of the people
3: if they're really motivated
0: okay step one now let's take it further because that's something simple Let's take something a little bit more confusing. Do you think if someone's got a broken leg, and let's even assume, let's take your way, let's say assume that they're a doctor, that they know how to read the x-rays and all that. Do you think that they could put on themselves a cast? Well, today you've got a boot. But let's say, do you think they could put a cast on themselves or they'll need someone else to do it? No. All right. So let's look at mental, emotional issues as not severe, it can be, but still as a medical issue. Okay. And... It's almost impossible to help yourself. And that's why in therapy they ask us not to work with friends and family. So there is no friends and family plan in the mental health field for several reasons. One of the reasons are we're too emotionally attached, which means logically we might know what to do. But as we've discussed the subconscious, emotionally we're going to get triggered. And emotional is a large part of the subconscious. Now let's take it to you. If you've got OCD, you have an illness, uh, let, let's also, you know, let me also give you a little bit more clarification to that. Imagine you're looking through a telescope, or let's even take binoculars, where both your eyes are looking at a specific focus point, right? Okay. And the classical example that they teach us in college and CBT is the elephant. Imagine two people are looking through binoculars that are very detailed, and one is, this, one is looking at the trunk of the nose, and one is looking at the tail. One is describing a look at this big, long, huge thing, and it's like making noise. Or it's moving, and the other one is saying, no, 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 I'm looking at the elephant, my binoculars is pointing basically to the same place, and I see this little thing with a little bushy-like thing It looks like a tail, and that person's fighting with them. No, 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 it's not a tail. It's huge. I agree with you that it's shaking, but it's huge, and there's nothing furry on it. Are both correct? Yes. Now, what's the difference between the two? They're
3: just looking at it at a different point.
0: That's right, perspective. Now, what we need to realize is that when we have a problem... It means that half our vision is obscured. When we have a problem, it means we're not seeing it clearly. That's, again, why why therapists should not be working with family. Yes, you could give that little bit of advice, oh, this seems serious, but the actual work, going into it, digging into it, you can't because our complete brain gets obscured on a certain level. Now, do you think you can work on yourself where you're looking through binoculars and there might be other issues going on? But because it's you and you're not able to stand from a distance and view the whole point and not get emotionally charged and not get frustrated when you're not successful to see some other tools, you can't do the evaluation. How far do you think you can get if you're doing it on your own? Right. Okay. So let's clarify. I'm a huge believer in self-help. Huge believer. But not when that is your big issue, and when you're diagnosed. When it's a diagnosable issue that's having for a while, that's not the time for self-help books. That's the time when you go for a doctor. So to give you another illustration, and that's for all of you listening, it's very important to realize, if you have a little scratch on your hand, do you run to the emergency room? No. No. That's when you either take a band-aid, you take peroxide, whatever's needed, and you cover it up. But if there's a huge gash, where you might need 15 to 20 stitches, would you then put a little band aid? No. <laughs> exactly. So I am a huge believer in self help books. Take it. My difficulty is that I sometimes get situations where people need now three therapists to work on one situation. You might need medication, and then the person calls me up. Do you think I should take self help books? Or a person tells me I only want to come to you once a month. Can we take care of it? And I go, Rabbi Nisholayam. i are thinking over here about twice a week, and we might need a lot of intervention, and you want once a month. So. Just understand, and this is not just to you, the reason why I'm actually elaborating that, this much is because of people that are, just for the awareness, people are listening, just to create the awareness, there's a time when there's for self-help, there's a time to do things on your own, there's also a time when you need professional help. I'm going to let you decide on your own what you feel is right for you. All right. All right? Okay. Thank Can you, you. Like, recommend anyone? Um, I always recommend relief. I try not to recommend someone because I always leave someone else out. So... <laughs> relief is organization and echo you can look them both up online where they are referral organizations for the mental health field and i'm a big believer in following that okay
3: thank you so much you're
0: very welcome the number to call in to ask your question or comment is seven one eight six eight three fifty eight fifty eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight and we are going to we you can either leave your message please call in because we are preferably going to be taking people that call in we'll also be reading some questions We'll take over here. Uh, let's take another question. Yaakov, you held on for a while. Yaakov, on line one, you're on the air with Mordechai and many others. Oh, actually, we're going to take Chaim. Chaim, on line six, you're on the air with Mordechai.
4: Good afternoon, Mordechai.
0: Good afternoon, Reb Chaim.
4: I'm calling back at this time because you said you wanted me to call in early to devote some time to my issue. Yes, sir. Many of my issues were addressed in one of your wonderful presentations a few weeks ago about dealing with anxiety based on medical problems. Yes. And essentially, my problem, which is so complex yet so simple, and requires, you know, a a team approach, which I've tried, which I've had, let me try to summarize it in a synopsis fashion.
0: Hold on, let's take a step back, Reb Chaim. You actually called about two months ago. Right. I'd like you to know that your question, I've probably have gotten more responses in history from people asking to say to Hillam, asking for help, and asking, have you ever called up because they wanted to know? I remember you called like in the last five minutes of the program twice. And so many people's heart has gone out to you, so I want you to know, and those of you listening, that Reb Chaim's question, when you listen, your heart goes out to this person, and we try to figure out what can we do. So Reb Chaim understand that your question has affected and has touched many people. I could probably say I must have gotten fifty to 70 comments and questions in the past two months, and I've always told them, sorry or responded, I haven't heard back. he hasn't called back. So I appreciate that you're calling back and a lot of people are going to appreciate. let's go hear if some things have worked. Let's see if I remember your question, all right? Let's a couple of months since then, your question was,
4: that, no, I, I preferred prefer to work from my my repeating it in recollection, rather than seeing if you remember it. Okay, go but, ahead then let's go, go with your way, recollection.
0: Let's go with your my, the way. My, yes, my, with the my, story. My
4: introduction is that your words are both inspirational and provide a lot of chizuk yes. to people who are confronting challenges, such as myself. And with that in mind, my question is dealing with situations that I've never had to cope with. How does one deal with a situation that one is completely unprepared to cope with? It could be anything. In my case, it happens to be, unfortunately, Hashem Yisbarach afflicted me with a very rare disease and that rare disease has wreaked havoc with my body and my mind at the same time. My body has become very uh, incapacitated. My mind has gone through a personality change, and of course it's all summarized with a type of depression that of course, I don't know the words. I certainly don't know the clinical terminology for it. It's a certain type of yish, even though I'll be Yes. A firm truth is not allowed to be miyayish. But unfortunately, I have been miyayish. Just felt, feel that I'm playing out my days on the world. And I don't know how to cope with Getting through every day. I, I find it impossible to get through every day. Yes. It's, it's not much impossible to get through every day. Yom, yom. And many people have given me... Into, I, I just love your last presentation. I forgot the, the person of what you said, the intellectual part and the emotional part. Many people have offered me many forms of intellectual... Things trying to have me on this end, and frankly, since I've taken the opportunity to make this call, which is hard enough for me, I have to end my part by saying this has greatly affected not only my ability to function amidst a deep, deep depression, but it has also tampered seriously we might have be talking. Yes. The British, of course, we all know that he knows what's right for everybody. But I can't view this as an insane anymore. I simply can't cope. I don't know if that question is specific enough or broad enough or useful. I can't cope. It's an uncopable situation. And I say that after having been seen my teams of psychiatrists and psychologists and, and working through all modalities of help that they could think of, including medication, excluding, I would say, long, long psychoanalysis, but certainly including... Uh, but I have not talked to anybody like you. I have no, no fear of saying that. And I would have no fear of telling that to anybody Anybody who still respects me. So that was my question. That's, that's the end of what I have to say. I don't know what your recollection was, um, but that's what, that's my question.
0: So let's also, I, I also remember one or two other points that you've mentioned was that your depression is, lo, is mostly based or very much based on medications, that some of the strong medications that you're taking have a negative side effect of causing depression. Was that correct? Yes. So and that's what we're discussing then as well, that unfortunately sometimes when we have medical, physical medical conditions where are some very serious medications that are needed, there are certain side effects. Just to give as an example, I've had recently on my phone line where someone asked a question that they have an eighty something year old grandfather moved into their house But the grandfather's starting to feel paranoid. And the mother's like putting signs all over the house saying voices. And like he thinks, he hears like voices saying they want to kill him. And the mother's signing, have signs all over the house saying voices aren't real. No one wants to kill you. And my first instinct, my first response was people in their 80s are taking many different medications. And some of them can trigger psychosis. Some of them can can trigger um, auditory hallucinations, and the medical doctor must be informed. And unfortunately, if some people aren't aware of that, and let's take your case, you might be an excellent, healthy, successful person, but you might get that effect and just be all of a sudden now depressed, and it's not your fault. And depression is atzvos, and depression does bring, to unfortunately, to Sveikis and Emun and Betachen, and not Chas that you have Sveikis and the moon, and Betachen, it's just there's this sheet over your mind that you just feel so down, there's no reason to live, there's no reason to get up. And when this happens day after day, week after week, month after month, and sometimes people have this for years, it just breaks the human psyche. It just breaks us down. It has nothing to do with moon and And This is something medically having you down. It's almost like you're going to ask someone that has doesn't have a leg, and tell them now run the marathon with just one leg, but run on two feet. You might be on certain medications that the, that the expectation on yourself, this is on a logical level, is not possible. Now, there is one other component that I would like to address, and that's the inner work. And that's something that when we discussed last time, I think I mentioned the term triage on emotional help, which means we might need a psychiatrist. We might also need a psychiatrist dealing with um, a feelings, logical, We might also need someone being able to deal with the subconscious inner child. So, see, feel free if you choose to answer this question or not. But your childhood, was it one where there was, let's say, a lot of pain or where you had to fight for survival? And you can say I don't want to answer that. I would say no. Okay. Would you say that there was sometimes not feeling um, worthy, uh, not feeling that there is that you will grow too much or being the odd one out? Yes. Okay, so generally, now I, I'm, I'm asking very general questions, which means everyone has had these feelings in their life. If you haven't, then, you know, you're just not alive. But sometimes when we have the inner child, the subconscious programs can be kicking in when we're under stress, which means, let me clarify it again, when a person is 50 and 60 and 70 years old, they might have... 30 years of experience showing that they are successful, so logically we're strong. But if the subconscious has a feeling that we're not strong, that people aren't respecting us, when we're at our weak and vulnerable moments, those old programs start kicking in. So it might be that at this time when there's a medically induced depression going on, it can now trigger those old feelings. So not only, let's say, would we need a therapist that will deal with the logical, we might also need someone that knows how to heal the inner work. And for someone, let's say, that you're going through, I usually very really recommend it because I am, I am trained in it, but I'm not such a believer in hypnosis. In your case, I would want someone that has experience. I would make that recommendation because you might need something very powerful to get through that emotional depression. And again, I would only pick someone that I wouldn't even deal with it. Well, I have experience with hypnosis, but I'm not that experienced I do with it. There are special psychologists that their specialty is hypnosis. And only those are the people that I would use. There are certain medical doctors that specialize in hypnosis. means when people have to have surgery and the body is allergic to the numbing systems out there, then there's a way to actually do medical hypnosis that a person's hypnotized and they can actually do surgery and not feel a thing. But very few doctors are qualified to deal with it, but there are. So another point I would mention to you is they would need something very powerful getting into the subconscious and someone that has a lot of experience. So if someone just took a course in hypnosis, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about someone like me where I have some knowledge where I can do hypnosis and even stage hypnosis. We're talking about someone that does hypnosis 60-70% of their practice and they are a licensed psychologist or social worker because, from what I hear of your situation, it can be very sticky, but you might need something very powerful to break through. Does that make sense? Yes. And as well as when you said psychiatrist, let's say medication, since it is chemically induced... Um, I wonder if is if there is anything that you would that you would say, let's say, from psychiatrists, from medical doctors that are top of the line, or were they just basic doctors?
4: Top of the line.
0: Top of the line. There was nothing that they were able to do. So they've given you all the SSRIs and all that stuff, all the antidepressants.
4: No, they tried. They 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 tampered with it, but all the psychotropic drugs is something that I I was very against to begin with. And uh, these were top-of-the-line people. And I tried to point them in the direction of, uh, most of the medical, the emotional problems came from heavy doses of prednisone, a, a steroid. Yes. And uh, and so, I don't know, you're you're, you're over my head already. A
0: okay, there me. are different types of,
4: you've given, are... you've given me You've given me a little too much information Alright, so let, let me do with, it. Let me, let's concise
0: it. Let's get it concise and we'll take some more callers that are waiting, but let's be concise because at your case, unfortunately there was a medical condition. You had to take medication. Medication has caused a medically induced depression. Now, you can't get off those medications for whatever reason, but there are different ways of dealing with it. Since it's medically based, I'm a huge believer in trying different medications to combat that so there are different types is either an ssri which deals with basic um depression and things like that deals with depression ocd anxiety but sometimes what doctors also do is they give a stimulant i'm not going to go into different names this you need to be a medical doctor but which just gives you a little energy it gives you like a little upper to just get that place And sometimes that can do that but again you need a top psychiatrist because they need a doctor and someone that also has experience in the hospitals that knows which medications work with others so, again, psychiatrists are fantastic. In certain cases, I say go to psychiatrists. But in your case, I would say a top one. And the third right, point that I would mention it, yeah. is the inner child work, not just to do basic work, but to really do deep inner child, which either be hypnosis or someone that has vast experience, I would say at least 15 years, just for the case to what you're describing, that will be able to recognize and identify, to heal inner work. It means not to talk about now, not to try to give you chizik, not to work on behaviors, get up, go to the sheer because it's you've gone through all that and that hasn't worked, so we need to try something, a different modality that has not been used yet.
4: Okay. Thank I'm you, Rakhaim,
0: and you have been on my mind and on many people. So just know your I'm a, story.
4: I mean, I I everything you said, except for the fact that, given the fact that I have attained a certain degree of professional acumen in my in my career, and among the among the things I've prided myself on is my perceptive abilities to understand people's communication skills, strengths, and weaknesses. I focused on talking to you and calling you, not because there were no other resources available, not even because I didn't think of any of the things you generally talked about, going to a psychiatrist to get into the subconscious. But at the end of the day, I still have to be honest, and not—I'm not, I'm not going in now. You know, I'm not getting in now to to say that I called you in Chodesh Adar as some kind of masquerade to hide behind terminology and phraseology. I called you because of you and who you are. Whether you're a top-flight psychiatrist or a psychologist or a, or a licensed social worker or whatever whatever label, many of the psychiatrists I've seen, they, they, all they have to show for their brains is pieces of paper on a wall, diplomas. And you distinguished yourself to me. Wow. And that's Thank you. why, based on your distinguishing yourself to me, and based on what I hear, how you help people with, how shall I say it, not to minimize it, how you deal with people's day-to-day problems, that's why I reached out to you, because I am desperate, and it is a desperate situation. What well, I am so mm-hmm. and that's why I reached out to you.
0: Yes, yes, Reb Chaim. Um, oh, seems like we um, got a little disconnected here. Okay. The Rebbein Shalom should send you a refu'a Shalema and everything should get better and let's see if things will work out and thank you and I appreciate the, you know, the brach and thank you for sort of saying that I've distinguished myself and a little different than others. Thank you. The number to call in is 718-683 5858 that's 718-683-5858 Suri, thank you for holding so long on line one. You're on the air with Mordechai Hi, thank you so much for
2: taking my
0: call. Yes, my pleasure.
2: My question is lately I see a lot advertised um about innate health from someone like Camille. I would like to have your opinion about this what you
0: well, I can just tell you very clearly I will not be giving that my job. I don't view myself as someone that gives endorsements or discusses different people especially especially specifics um did you did got you any other questions it? for me? um. Sorry that you held so long for that, but I don't do that. I don't give endorsements either way, one way or the other. I just talk about, let's say, the classical psychology modalities that I know of, things that I like, things that I don't like, and they're just my humble Personally, opinion. I can but what? Personally, I can't ask it for you? Um, either way, I don't do that either way. I don't, I never, I mean, I. Even if someone would be my client, ask me, what do you say about something? I always tell them, if you'd like, go ahead and try it. I'm a big believer in trying everything. And I don't believe that I should ever tell anyone to do something or not to do something. What I do in my personal life is something else. But I don't believe as a therapist that I ever tell anyone yes to do something or not to do something. I would just give them the information, whatever I have about that, and let them make the decision. Or I have them do their research and then listen to themselves, what they think they should be doing. People do have information, do have a feeling that they have. And get information, find out.
2: Wow, I didn't, I didn't expect that. I trusted you. Okay, thank you. anyway. I yeah, did, you're I, welcome. I Sorry about you.
0: that. Yes, no, I usually I
2: did, do. I did try um, EMDR, and it's excellent. I have to thank you for Thank that. you. That's EMDR,
0: I know, and I'm trained in that as well. That's eye movement desensitization, something, or uh, reprocessing, or whatever it stands for. And I'm a big believer in EMDR as well as, yeah, I'm a big believer in that. And that is also, that it also works on the inner world, on the inner child. But they don't really do it that way. So actually, being my nature and the type of person that I am, I do EMDR. But I also tweak it a little my way for those that need it. So I use it for sometimes for situations where I see subconscious doesn't work. Other tools, I use that. But I tweak it. But I'm a very big believer in EMDR as well. Yes. Is it
2: possible to see, like, in a day or two, um some changes to doing EMDR?
0: Yes, I've got clients that walk out of my office. Again, I, my main focus is get the client in and out as quick as possible, as healthy as possible, whatever modality it is. I don't have an issue where it has to be my COVID, which means if we need medication to get things moving, I don't hesitate to suggest it. If we can do vitamins, if I need help, another therapist involved, I do that. Sometimes we need a behavioralist where I need someone to wake up this person every day. I've had a client where the person was coming to me, been to therapy for over 10 years, can't get up in the morning. And I said, you really don't need me. I know my name sounds wonderful. And people go, oh, Mordecai, you're going to help me. I said, all you need is someone to wake you up at 6.30. We got a family member to call this guy every single day at 6.30 and to be on the phone till he leaves the house. He's out of the house by about 6.45 every single day. And they didn't need a therapist. What I realized, Oh, this person needs is behavioral. I don't have an issue. So Mordechai was not the guy that helped. But on the other hand, look at that. By that little one session of advice, it's about seven months now. I just got the message about two, three weeks ago that this person's up now on their own. It took six months of someone waking them up every single day for it to happen. My goal is help the person as much as possible, whatever is needed. And if we can combine two or three different therapeutic modalities at once, just let's get the results. Let's get in, let's get out, and let's move on. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Okay, who is next on the line that we're going to go? Aaron, who would you like? We're going to Friday on line five. Friday, you're on the air with Mordechai.
5: Hi, Mordechai. I'm on.
0: Yes, you are on. You're live with everyone.
5: Yeah, I'm calling from England. Oh, wow. Wonderful. I really enjoy your programs. I listen to them like the whole time. Yes. And I just wanted to know, I have two questions. One is that, I've heard a lot about stress, and you say that you shouldn't push away an emotion, that you should try and deal with it. Yes. And I just wondered, like, what you meant by dealing with an emotion, because I find myself being full of emotions every, like, every day something else, every minute something else. So what do you mean by dealing with it, say, anger or stress or whatever?
0: So let's get to your question. Your question is, when I tell people, start dealing with your emotions, don't avoid it. But every second we have another thought and we have another emotion, correct? Right. So let's clarify, everything in therapy is always about balance, which means if you're going to start, oh, I just felt sad, why am I sad? Oh, now I felt happy, why am I happy? Oh, this one said this, if you're going too much into yourself and you're overanalyzing and you're overthinking it and you're doing uh, a business evaluation, sort of as I call it the end of analysis, every minute you're not going to be successful. On the other hand, we're discussing over here people that are stressed and they're completely neglecting. So there are those who say, I don't feel anything, nothing bothers me. And that's the other extreme, where they don't notice when something's hurting them, something's bothering them, they're causing other stress, and they're just stuck in their life. They're stuck, I'm sorry, in their limiting view, and people are angry, people don't like them, and they have no idea why. They don't realize that they are causing other stress by being nervous and yelling. How many times we know someone saying, stop yelling, your yelling is getting me nervous? And now I'm going to tell them, did you just, if we can just hit video, record, and then rewind, you're stressed already. The person Mm -hmm. just put a little gasoline on that fire. And when I discuss it, I'm talking about to get to the healthy balance. We're not talking about someone should recognize every stress that they're having every second. But we're also not talking about denying stress. The healthy Mm -hmm. balance. So
5: let's say if someone has a stressful situation, then what do you think is the best way to deal with
0: it? Okay, thank you. And here is very important, as therapists, that we are taught in college, we're trained, and we're supervised by the college and by our internship where we do it, how to recognize and identify, is the stress um, occasional? Is that stress appropriate? It means if there's a fire in the house and the person's going to go, now I'm going to do deep breathing, let's stay relaxed, let's stay calm, let's think of a rational plan. No, our, our body is meant to kick into that, into that fight or flight mode. It's meant to start yelling and screaming, there's a fire, everyone get up, let's run out. Our body is meant to kick into that adrenaline. And that's healthy, positive stress. Before we diagnose someone as stress or anxiety or whatever it should be, before we send anyone to medication, we must, we must make sure that it's appropriate. If someone is nifter and there's a Levi, it's appropriate to feel sad. It's appropriate even to feel depressed. It's appropriate even to feel there's no reason to live anymore. This person is not alive. It's normal. It's not supposed to last too long. And they are gedarem, And that's mm-hmm. what we all learn from Yaakov Avinu, that all the Svarim bring out. Of course, I'm not someone to talk about Yaakov, but there's an unhealthy time of of to be to cry and to mourn someone,
5: right? And another one was saying was, I find that I'm just I'm just numb. That's why I'm asking. Like I just try to analyze myself to say that I do have emotions, but the thing is, I find that I can't cry and I can't I can't really express it. So, do you have? Does it mean that, does it show a lack of like my friends tell me that I just don't feel? But is is it a true thing to say that someone doesn't cry? Like it's just not feeling anything?
0: um let's let's clarify something you sound to me actually to be like a very feeling person so i like judging i like i like letting my senses i like trusting my senses and you don't talk like a person that's numb a person that's numb usually doesn't ask these questions they're usually like i'm healthy i don't feel things i feel people that feel too much are crazy they're too busy with themselves so you know just deal with it and move on why are people mm-hmm. feeling things? You seem to be going. I'm not crying, and it's bothering me. That's a feeling. That's an awareness. You right, know, I I mean analyze I myself it. too much. Those are people that are very feeling. I'm not sure if maybe what you're you might be mixing up two different emotions it means you might be very emotional, but you're not able to express that emotion. Those are two different points. Yeah, you're, I think
5: the problem is that I can't express it and. Um, I just thought that it's a lack of emotion, but I feel no, right No,
0: so here. that's that's right. That's part of what we do. Well, so when we do almost therapy, a large it's very, it's very detail oriented. Like when I do therapy to analyze, is the person's issue that they can't express it? Is the person that doesn't feel it? Is the person that feels and can express it in certain areas, but not in different areas? There's a lot that has to be recognized and analyzed before we go into, before we continue, you know, before we even do any type of therapy. So what I would say, one of the healthy ways for you to express it is, let me ask you as follows. Can you give me one positive feeling that happened today and one negative feeling that happened? It can be very small. So to give you an example, it could be positive that you called up. You're, and you can divide a positive into four different levels. It could be you had the guts to call into America. could be you had <laughs> the guts to have your voice heard. It can be that you had a question and you were willing to look for help. These are already three positives or three strengths that you have just from one action. It can mm-hmm. also be that when I clarify the difference between an emotion, having an emotion, and expressing an emotion, you understood that. So you also have a very good understanding. That's a fourth point. Notice four positives. and Ooh, I can, I'm
5: feeling so good. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I can
0: help you identify those from, just from one behavior. Now, if you would share me three or four behaviors that you've done today, we'll find about 15 positives and strengths that you have. And recognize that. Now that's one way to recognize the positive. Now we go to negative. We can go to, let's say, now I'd ask you, because I don't like pointing out all those negatives. I am enjoying on um, the building strength based. So what would you say is a negative that you had a little experience today? It doesn't have to be traumatizing. Could just be that someone told you something and it bothered you. Could be you got up late. Could be you didn't do well on a test. Could be you didn't cook supper well today. So what happened was that
5: I, I was, together with a friend she just told me something and I just gave her, I gave her back so much like she didn't really deserve it I just had so much stress inside me I felt bad afterwards. Good let's
0: stop now let's divide that negative into four negatives as well you I have know. a lot of stress <laughs> in yourself and you don't have a way to release it number two when someone someone gave you a negative comment that's a seg- that's a neg- negative someone just gave you a negative comment another point is it hurt you other negative comments a fourth point is that other negative comments then can have you give people more than they deserve. So you don't have such a control over your emotions once it bursts. Right? Okay. Now, mm-hmm. now these are all logic about it. Now, I would like you to, let's say, take these and start adding on an emotion. One of the ways I help people express emotion is give a one word. If you're writing more than one word, then it's already too much. So an emotion can be hurt, sad angry, frustrated. If a person starts going, I'm not feeling accepted, that's three words. <laughs> and then it could be alone. So if I would ask you, so if you've got so many emotions, I'll tell you, write down that whole list of things that you yelled at your friend and start adding on. You never respect me. Now give a feeling to that. I feel alone or I feel worthless. Um, people don't invite me places or, or you know, you really hurt me. So then the word is either oversensitive <laughs> or not, not, not protected is already two words, but sort of coming up with emotions. The more we can take different pains. My parents are fighting. I'm feeling, um, I don't know, give me an emotion. What's this feeling, let's say, when, when you see parents fighting? could be afraid.
5: Yeah, afraid and stressed. And
0: stressed. That's right, but we want to start using other words than stress because stress is too general. So the more detailed that you can have, those are what we want to focus on.
5: You got but it? You I mean, there's loads of, there's loads of emotions here. So that, oh,
0: wonderful. Now I want you to recognize. Now that you recognize there are loads of emotions, now we've got to download them or, or upload them, however it is to get them out of your mind and onto a paper. Right. And you might find that you have 30, 40 messages there or emotions, maybe even 60 emotions. And let yourself do that. Let yourself acknowledge us and just move on.
5: Mm-hmm. But you say that writing would do a good job, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That will be my... I actually sim- like writing. What? I actually like writing. Excellent. So sounds good.
0: That is step one. Step one is writing and getting it out. Yes.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Friday, all the way I'm from England. I
5: tips about crying. Like, oh, what? Crying
0: comes later on. Crying comes later on. Crying comes once you're able to acknowledge your emotions. You're able to express. You're able to tell it to someone. So step one is to write it. Step two would be once you write them for three, four, five days, all these emotions, and it's have someone safe that you can just share it with, and usually that should be family members or people like that.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, thank you so much for your help. You are really very welcome, it. and thank
0: you for calling in all the way from England. I appreciate it. Let's jump yeah, to line. Yeah, I really
5: appreciate
6: it. Six. You're uh, welcome.
0: You. Let's jump to line six to yassi Is that all right, Aaron? Let's go to yassi on line six. You're on the air with Mordechai.
1: Hi. Thank you very much. Um, I have to go in three minutes. I have to share. I call to go the same thing. So I want to ask you the question, and you can answer it after I hang up. Is that okay?
0: With the greatest of pleasures.
1: Thank you, much. Okay. So well, basically, I wanted to know if you can talk a little bit about speech cluttering, where it comes from, and a couple of like basic tips how you could um, how you could uh, work on on that uh, that the problem.
0: So I'd like you if you can share us just a little bit with all of us, a little bit more information when you say speech cluttering. What I find when people say say shoe diagnosis or terms is they might be referring to one aspect when it has like six or seven points to that.
4: Uh, so, speaking very uh,
1: speaking very quickly and like not sure what you're gonna say, saying the wrong the wrong words, emphasizing the wrong syllables, uh, skipping a couple of syllables and just like sounds very like you know, like a, a bunch like a challenge coming out, you know.
0: Yes. Good, so stay on the line, or you'd like to hang up already, and then I'll just... Yeah, i hang up, yeah, thank you.
1: Okay, so you
0: go, and I'm going to give my little drush over here, Rabiasel. Enjoy Hatzlacha and learn. Steig. do yours. Ashrecha okay, you. that you're able to do that. Um, so let's go ahead and explain this question. The question is as follows. When someone has a lot of thoughts, a lot of emotions going on at once, and many people that have ADD have this issue, That is, they have so many ideas that they find that they start talking about different subjects at one time. They find that they want to say three or four things at once, so they're speaking quicker. When you speak quicker, many times they can either stutter or the words don't come out clear enough. Another point that happens when people have this because their mind is racing or running so fast that they want to say so many points all at once is that they find that when someone starts talking, they start knocking in, they start butting into that conversation. They start knocking off mid-sentence. And when they start talking, they hand- answer that, but they had something else they want to say, and everything comes at once. Now, this isn't just ADD. These are people that many times feel that they have so much to say and they're not heard. So there could be an emotional issue in the family where they're not given their time, their respect. Could be that they don't have a place where they feel safe, let's say, with friends. So at home is when they just need to talk and talk and talk. And what's interesting is when it's a subconscious issue, even if people let them speak for 10 years straight, their subconscious will never feel full. And similar to this is when you have parents that call up or when I work on kids where parents say, we give this kid more than we give any other kid, and this kid is saying, you don't love me, you don't care about me, you don't give me anything. It's a feeling of not being enough. One of the points that we first deal with, let's go deal with the behavioral level, and the behavioral level is practice with someone. Have a thought, have a conversation, and practice. This is literally role modeling. This is role play of having a conversation, sticking to one thought at a time, stopping and wait till the person is done talking, and then even repeat what the person said and now respond. Another point is for you to be aware that it's something that's able to be trained and to recognize that you can work. Awareness is step two, let's say, or step one. Another point to recognize is once you're aware is to now the next step is to be aware that we can only have one conversation at one time. So to ask your mind before you respond think a second which topic do I want to go down the path and only stick to one topic. Again is where we put into that first point where we said about staying focused remaining to that one conversation with that practicing so you'll train your mind to do that. When you find that you stick to a topic you're aware that you're only going to talk about one topic Yes, you might have, there will be another session or two when we deal with people which are almost perfectionists or to learn that the world is always about, I like calling it the 80% theory. If we get 80% right, you're going to seem like 100. A muscle to that is, imagine you're building a house and it's magnificent. You do Chanukah Hanukkah and the family says, what a beautiful house. Do you know who's the one person that doesn't say it's amazing and it's great? Usually it's the builder, or I should say the owner of the house. Why? Because when you build a house, you have the theories and the concepts how well this house is going to look. But as you're starting to build in reality, all of a sudden the builder tells you, this room can't be that big, we got to change it. Then someone is going to tell you, then the builder is going to tell you, oh, this, we have a problem with something over okay, here, we got to change this plan. When it's finally done, it's not the plans that you had in mind. It's different, it's fantastic, but it's still not what you had in mind. And the owner is the one that says, when they say it's magnificent, he's going, but it could have been so much nicer. When you want to say five or six points and you have a conversation, it's a successful conversation on one point, the guy is going to say, what a great conversation. What a great person. You are going to feel, but I missed out. i am left out so many important points. And that is a session or two when we work with people is to understand this is normal. On this world, it's fantastic and it's amazing. I'm not going to go into a long Dvart but in short, I heard this Vart palm Pam from my Rebbe, and it's one of the nicest words, Varta, that I heard. And he basically says that just before the Pasica Shenia in, in Pashas Beratius when it says kimis also that's after he's made the all 6 days kimis also toiv mo'ed, and it's fantastic so Rav Pam brings out let's recognize in the 3rd day there was a fight between the sun and the moon Echad. the next day was Rabbi tells the eighth pre Isa pre to Dasha, and that the, basically the bark has to have the same flavor. The trees, they don't listen to Rabbi Yishlam the way he said it. On the sixth day was, the, was Adam and Chava was the Aver of And the Rabbi says at that point, he says, people would think that perfection is when you look at the globe from outer space, there are no boundaries, there are no countries, just magnificent earth, ground, water, it's trees. And, the, and the Rapam says, no. The toiv Muid of this world is with all the mistakes that are happening. And that's part of the lesson that these people need to learn when their mind wants to get everything out. And I want to get everything focused completely. That's not our goal. The goal is to do the best that we could, the way it is. And that's what the Rebbein Shalom considers with the imperfections. That is toiv Mu'ed. Thank you, Yossi, for that question, and it's an honor to know that you are learning and steiging, continue learning and steiging, and hopefully this answers your question. We're going to go to line three to Bela, and then we are going to go and take a couple of questions that we got over there from the Lakewood Scoop and some more text messages that we've got. To call in to ask your question or comment to 718-683-5858, 718-683. 5858 five, eight. we can have any questions that you'd like even parenting just from questions nine and up about OCD anxiety families whatever you'd like we're going to deal with that um, okay um, let's go ahead who is on the ear? oops um, I've just pushed over one of the buttons where Aaron are we taking Bela line three yeah Bela, you're on the air with Mordechai hi
7: this is Bela calling yes um, I love your program. Thank and, you. And actually all through the week, from Tuesday to Tuesday, I listened to uh, everything that's in there on the phone. Yes. And just yesterday I listened to a very old archived uh number twenty five or thirty or something. Um, archived one of these um question and answers and you yes. mentioned to someone to listen to so the caller, it looks like, had a similar issue that I was thinking about. And I listened to, I think it was number 36 and number 34 on your phone line. on the
0: Yes, on the know, CRM.
7: Yeah, the CRM. Which and one is that about? What are those titles? Both are about subconscious. the Oh, formula. those are,
0: yes. Those are one of my best programs out there. Actually, let me mention it to those listening. There are two programs which I practically gave away all the secrets on how I look at a brain at the subconscious. And also how I do an evaluation of a person. That's number, actually there are really three programs. That's I think number 34. It's in section one. If you call the phone line, it's 718-298-2011. That's 718-298-2011. Number 34 is about the subconscious. Number, number 35 is how stress literally affects our brain. And there are studies through the fMRI showing how our brain shrinks under stress. And of course when you have about a couple of months, then... Off of the stress your brain goes back to itself a very interesting program strength stress does affect us and even how to get out of stress the tools and the next one after that i think it's number 36 so it's either 34 35 36 or 35 36 and 37 i'm pretty sure it's 34 35 and 36 where how i do an evaluation where i go into detail about the ila which is about the subconscious inspiration the logic and the action yes thank you bail yes those are really amazing programs and I've given away almost all my secrets over there. Yeah,
7: I was I was so blown away. I really enjoyed it. I made I made some family members listen to it.
0: Yes.
7: And I was just going to ask you a question or two about it.
0: Go ahead. I um, uh, was honored and pleasure actually.
7: Um I w- I guess I familiarized myself with the three parts like you said. I don't remember the name. The feeling part and the logic part and the yes. action part. Um so there are two situations now in my life. I'm just going to stay very quickly just the dry details. Um, and I don't know which part to work on um, the I, the L, or the A. If I'm in a situation where I think that I have a drive and I want and I have a check, so that takes care of the I.
5: Yes.
7: Um, I also have the information. And let's
0: just clarify to those, I means inspiration is the subconscious. I call it the ILA formula. My company is like really called Winner Formula. Like the website is called Winner Formula. Dot, it's like Winnerformula.com. Yes. So I stands for inspiration, which I call the subconscious. So you have a drive.
7: Great. So I have the inspiration and I have the logic and the tools. Yeah. Um, I just don't have the confidence to go into action. I don't er, know er, er, Recognize the, the action word confidence. is the problem or the confidence is Well, the what is
0: confidence? Let's identify. What are those thoughts saying? What are the, what are, what are the thoughts? What confidence are you missing?
7: Um, I'm missing, I guess, approval. Like, what are people going to say? Or am I really going to be good at it? Sometimes I think to myself that the action could work, like if I force myself first, and then uh-uh, i
0: That's not action. That could be action. But you see, what others will say is either the inspiration or the logic. means it could be that you have negative experience. So let's say your inspiration of, of dreaming is excellent, but there's a different part to the inspiration, to the subconscious, which is many times we can have pains and hurts.
2: Mm-hmm. And I don't if,
7: have the guts. I think that's what it is. I just don't have guts.
0: Let's not know then. That's again could either be the I, either the inspiration uh-huh. or the logic. Everyone's got guts. If you've got the drive, you've got the guts. Kids have the guts to walk, to fall, a thousand times and still get up. Kids have it. It's that when we get older our painful experiences is what stops us from having that. Now it could again be the inspiration or the logic. How then, do I know? It? And let's go ahead and tell you what is the... what. Let's take it a step deeper. If I tell you logically, no, that you're allowed to be afraid, anyone that does something the first time is afraid, so understand it's normal, can you do it now?
7: I'm still
0: afraid. Okay, then we know it's subconscious. Okay. In other words, when it's logic and someone explains it to you, Mm -hmm. and you're willing to try the behavior once, twice, three times, four (coughs) times, it Mm -hmm. will pass. If you're still afraid after you've done something 50 times, I know someone that is a fantastic (coughs) botch And it's mm-hmm. not a client, therefore I can share it. Fantastic Batran. He is a Batran for over 15 years. But he's not, he's, I shouldn't say he's not too popular. He almost turns away cases, only has to be like this or like that when he's a Batran because he has an inner fear that he'll make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Understand it's subconscious. This guy is fantastic. This guy is great. In fact, if mm-hmm. he doesn't have to prepare, he's amazing and everyone loves him, his spontaneity. Mm -hmm. but inside when he's got to prepare the self-doubt that goes on over there no you won't do it people won't like you you make one mistake you lose all your jobs that's again the inspiration that's again subconscious fears and doubts that were put in there that needs to be changed and the buzzwords have to start going from the subconscious you're great you can make as many mistakes and everyone just loves you the way you are
7: Is there a way for me to deal with this myself, like EFT? I mean, I do EFT, Okay,
0: so I happen to know EFT. I happen to like... Now, again, just to clarify, for those of you listening, there are two types of EFT. There is the classical modality in therapy for marriage counseling called EFT, and then there's the alternative therapy called EFT. I actually am trained in the alternative therapy, EFT, which which I like that again, but I need to clarify that in everything you need to know what you're doing because people are using it as a... Helpful therapy therapeutic model, which I don't believe in that it's that at the same time there's the EFT marriage component Which I haven't taken that course. Yes, but that is one on my bucket list on one of the courses I'd like to take that I've heard fantastic Responses from those that have taken that so yes EFT can help you But again, I need you to realize the real way of doing EFT is with someone why because if you've got blockages you might be stuck in your little view That's Mm -hmm. why therapy, self-help, and I'm going to take one of the comments that we've gotten on the texting that someone sent us was that while you mentioned people should go for therapy, but self-help books work excellent if you you do it combined with therapy, yes. So I will tell you EFT is a fantastic system. But if you're doing EFT, go to someone that's trained in EFT because they're going to push you more. They're going Mm -hmm. to push you out of your limitations.
7: What are the other options out there for working on the I part?
0: Um, there's EMDR, there is EFT, there is hypnosis, there is um what other systems are out there that I can think about? Um I don't want to go into the controversial because some there's like mm-hmm. one rub that says halakhically it's not good. I know most of them are very for it. I'm also a believer in health kinesiology and the one brain mm-hmm. system. I originally got trained, I'm a huge believer in that. Mm-hmm. Um Can I try
7: one more Just to help me figure out Or you don't have time anymore
0: I'll do that for you Go ahead Such a fan Go ahead Uh, Thanks
7: Um, This is about my son He also has A big hatred to learn He's doing great He's 18 now Okay And um, He never He was the kind of child That was never an issue You know that kind Yes Um, All of a sudden He's having Obsessive thoughts About A boy in his class That he feels trapped with He Has this the urge to please him. He's not he's not harming him in any way. He just has this drive to please that kid and I'm just wondering, is there place to talk about action? In other words, do what you gotta do and then you'll get over it or it's more the I part?
0: I would say it's both parts, which means let's also identify. When you have an eighteen year old you said he's eighteen, right? Not eight. Yeah, eighteen yeah. When you have an 18-year-old, let's say, bacher, that has like a best friend or someone that he wants to be around that person, what I usually like doing is turning it both into the I and into the L, into the logic, which means I first have them logically be aware of what they're looking at or what the subconscious likes, which means look at this friend.
7: He doesn't it, really like him. He doesn't respect
0: him. Let's, let's recognize. If the person is always going back to that, part uh-huh. of them really likes them a part of them wants something. When I say like, let me clarify. It's usually an aspect that we have within ourselves that's hidden and we're not able to utilize, and that's why when someone else is having that power, we like it. So let me give you an example. There are many people that go around saying, oh, I'm an introvert, I'm quiet. But yet you know who their best friends or who people they love being around, those that are laughing, those that are our personality. Mm-hmm. Then I've got a secret to tell them, you're not a real introvert. You might be afraid to be an extrovert or to be your personality, but if you're really quiet, you... Don't really like loud people you enjoy, but you don't hang around them. What I would have your son identify is, what does this person's, this other Bach's personality have that you like? Is he confident? Is he someone that says things the way it is? Is he content being alone? Do you like his height? Do you like his hair color? Many times people are embarrassed of their height or their hair color. And -hmm. therefore, when someone has that exact look, now I'm not talking about Hashem infatuation, things like that. I'm just Uh talking about uh comfortability. uh Uh-huh. And that's one of the things that I like looking at. When I tell people, what are your dreams? That you say, eh, will never happen. But listen to those, because that's the real you. Uh-huh. So if your 18-year-old Bacha has someone that he really doesn't like, like feels he's not the best for him, but there's something to it, that's a fantastic, as I call like chinuch opportunity, or fantastic awareness opportunity to look at a strength that is within you that you have not had a chance to master and to bring out that power within yourself.
7: Okay. So does that, that makes sense. Um, I pretty much know what he's excited about. Go he ahead, wants tell to me you that he's getting attention.
0: How good? How does
7: that guy get attention? He acts silly. Okay. And my son has no plans of acting silly. Now so let, let me ask
0: you something. I wonder if. You, oh, okay. So then there's got to be something else that that kid's got.
7: Okay, I'll have to f- ask, ask him. him and drill
0: him. Ask him. Let's think. You could tell him the sharing what I felt, which means what I've shared with you. That uh-huh. if we have something, if we're in a relationship that we don't like, we know we shouldn't do it, but we're still in it. There is a pull. There is something that that person has. Mm-hmm. Just to give you an example, unfortunately, the negative in abusive relationships, where mm-hmm. let's say the husband or the persons. Let's take a friendship where one guy is controlling, manipulating. And makes you do favors. And the other friend just wants to drop it. Why can't they drop it? If When you start dealing with the inspiration, the subconscious, and you start also getting them logically aware, you'll find what they say. You know what? Around this person, I feel safe. So Mm -hmm. if anyone ever messes with me, this person I know will protect me at the end. So while, and, and therefore the person will stay, I will stay in an abusive relationship because at least I have that. And that pain is a far greater pain than the, than the pain that I'm having through the relationship. And mm-hmm. that's one of the ways that we help people get out of codependence is when we have them face what are your weaknesses that you are staying in this negative relationship. Let's get you the strength within yourself. Let's build up other factions, other areas where you can have that strength. So now you are strong enough to leave that relationship. I hear. Thank you, Bela. I appreciate you calling in for the question, and thank you for sharing the concepts of the program number 34 and program number 36 of You're the welcome. phone line. I thank appreciate it. Thank
7: you so that. much. Keep going.
0: You're very welcome. That's Lacha. We're going to take over here one or two questions. Let's just go quickly to the Lakewood Scoop, then we'll take some of the text. The number to call in is 718. Six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Again, for those of you listening, tuning in now, this is your host Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, on thejrootradio.com. So you can listen to us on the radio, ninety-seven point five on thejrootradio.com. You can watch us live on Yeshiva World, on the Lakewood Scoop. You can see us live. Looking forward to taking your questions and comments. As well, always a special thank you to the JRoot Radio. To Rav Nissen. President of the J-Root, guy that has had this program on, and to Aaron, our wonderful, fantastic technician, which is taking your questions, making sure everything looks great. Nissen does Simchas, photographer for weddings, bar mitzvahs, bas mitzvahs, and for Brisson, you can have him come to your Simcha. Nissan, I'll ask you if you can actually write down on the page so I can have your number that we can share. I don't have your card right now in front of me but for your Simcha, a fantastic, wonderful person. The number to call in for your question, actually, his number is 347-370-9083. The number to take him for your Simcha is 347-370-9083. And if you'd like to call in with your question or comment, the number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. On the Lakewood Scoop, let's take one or two questions over here. I have a 20-year-old daughter who very much wants to marry. However, we, my husband, and I both feel she's too immature and doesn't have a clear way of thinking to be able to deal with this major issue of marriage. How can we handle this situation? Thank you. Okay, areg Achas. It is a difficult question, and I'm going to share with you two thoughts that I have. Number one, do not let her get married. Because if you feel she's immature, you're going to find that life is very maturing and sometimes if you're not ready for it, you're not able to handle the process and you shut down and you blame everyone. So now, step one is to tell her you're 20. In our system, in our society, we got to get you moving. So how do you get someone mature? Responsibility. We want to get them working. Get them volunteering. Have them go to a hospital and call the Birk of homes. How can we volunteer? Do stuff. The more action we do, the more we grow. So the more responsibilities you take, the more your spiritual and your mental health grows. That's the same way with exercise. You want to get stronger, you're going to have to do that treadmill. You're going to have to lift those weights. You want your daughter to mature, give her responsibility. And that means letting go when she makes a mistake. Let her make mistakes. Let people be disappointed with her. Don't shield her. Don't protect her. Oh, vey, she can handle that. Yes, she can. If you never let her do exercise, those muscles will never get stronger. She's 20. you got to start doing things ASAP. I'm a big believer in volunteering for free. Call up a school, ask if she can be an assistant for free. Let her be a substitute, which is the hardest jobs for free. Let her call up the Bekochelum, say, how can I volunteer for free? Find out if there are older people that want someone to come visit them once a week, twice a week, for an hour or two, for free. Get her into life. Now, of course, if they're willing to pay, go ahead and do that. But we need to realize you want responsibility. You want them to be mature. Give them responsibility. Put them in positions where they have to be mature. And part of that is let them make mistakes. Um, Chava asks from the Lakewood Scoop, About a year and a half ago, I had a small disagreement with a workmate. This turned into a major confrontation from both sides. Seeing how upset she got, I apologized later that day. She refused to accept and gave me a cold shoulder. A few months later, I apologized again and received no response with continued cold shoulder. Con- with a continued cold shoulder. I concluded that at this point, it's her issue, that she just can't get past the issue. Is there, any el- is there anything else I can do to help this situation? Most of all that bothers me is that every time I see her, I just think negatively about her. Her outfit, her shoes, her walk. How can I completely move on? Meaning, see her as a good person if she continues not forgiving me, thank you. And this is beautiful because this illustrates what we do in therapy. Yes, we want acceptance from others. And yes, we want others to feel that things are going on. But what I also need you to realize is that a large part of issues is our self and issues that we have and issues that we need to be able to move on, which means... We can understand when people don't take us, when people don't accept us. But what happens if someone needs the whole world to like them? Or at least we don't need them to like us, but we don't want they angry at us. That's our issue. That's either our subconscious or, or logic to understand. If you're in a position of authority, you're going to get people that don't like you. If someone is going to have a difficulty or someone have something negative about you, tap yourself on the shoulder and that means you've actually stood up for something. You've set an opinion. Just on my phone line, I've just read several positive messages that people have shared, how the phone line has helped them, or clients that were successful, or people have gone to therapy and were successful, or people that their lives have changed and grown. Why? Because at the same time, if people would have any idea of the negative messages that I get, why do you have to discuss therapy? Why do you have to mention this? You, I disagree with this thought or that thought with pleasure. I'm comfortable with you doing that. But understand that whenever you stand up for anything publicly, you are going to get negative. When you're going to be a father, you're going to have kids that are going to be telling you, I don't think you should do this. You're going to have a brother-in-law, sister-in-law, or a brother. Someone is going to tell you something differently. You're going to have a bismedrish, someone is going to have a different opinion. You're going to have a company, someone is going to say differently. Now there are those that can't take the heat so they get out of the kitchen. They stay an employee. There's someone that won't open up a shul when they know they should. There's someone that will not become a rav because they're afraid of having people against them. But this is part of life. And if we can learn to grow, if we can learn to accept that, and this is our job. There are a bunch of ones who want us to grow. Look at any Godel in history. Moshe Rabbeinu had the era of Rav. There's always going to be someone there throughout the history that if you're great, someone that's going to have an opinion. And even if you're not great, someone that's going to have an opinion. So we want to be able to just let them go ahead, take control, and keep on growing. Again, just sharing with everyone the number for Nissan to go take him for Yosemcha. If you'd like to see his work, you can just see the wonderful work that we've got over here on the j Radio. The whole videography that's going on is 347 seven. Um, three seven zero nine zero eight three. Excellent. So we got a question. We're going to go take a question all the way from Illinois. We're going to jump the line. All right, Nissan. Which one is that? We're going to take Leah on line two from Illinois, and then we're going to go back to some more of the questions. Leah, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, we hear you. And wow, how do you hear us from Illinois? How are you <laughs> listening to us?
8: I'm not from Illinois, but um, I'll ask my question anyway.
0: Okay, then we um, just cut the line of a lot of people. You got that.
8: <laughs> okay, so I have two quick questions. The first one is about emotional neglect. Yes. Um, I read an article this week in the AMI magazine about, yes. about children that were emotionally neglected when they were younger and that they are bound to give it into their children unless, like introspection is done, and real heavy therapy and all that. Now, I'm a mother of two, and uh, I do have some of the symptoms, what they call emotional, having had emotional neglect in the childhood, and I want to try and make sure that I don't give it over to my children. Okay. Can
0: I just cut you off over here? And then we'll go to step two. Let's just clarify, because you've said so much that I'd like to first deal with this step number one. In the publications, and I myself have written for the ATED for about a year, and I've just stopped because it was, wasn't enough time to do all the public work, we'll call it. But there's a grave concern that I always had when you write. And you know what the concern is? That you're, that when you write about something, the amount of calls that I get that week about it is always amazing. So the term borderline personality disorder, BPD, has gotten so popular because people are writing about it that it's overly diagnosed. Neglect, emotional neglect. Everyone was emotionally neglected sometime in our lives by our parents. We cannot be perfect. Now, is it diagnosable or for the criteria for emotional neglect is a completely different criteria. So everyone has got some some level of depression. We're going to have downers. Downers are not depression. Each of us are going to be a little OCD means we might be in bed. Go. Did I lock the windows? Or did I lock my door? Did I put that away? Did I put the soup back in the fridge? That's not OCD. And therefore, let me let me. Now, when you're asking your question, let's start this way. Were your parents neglectful? Uh,
8: okay. So basically, my mother and my father both were emotionally neglectful. Just because I've been through a lot of work, and I have found them to both have been. Emotionally, neglectly, my my mother more in a pa- in an active way, and my father in a passive way. So, um, there was definitely a lot that went on over there. And I do even like now, ne- when I'm with my children, I find a very hard time to be present. Like I find it difficult because of that.
0: Okay. Do you okay. do you get what I'm saying? Now I'm getting you more. Yes. My concern was just that when we're when we're reading it. Every parent will be neglectful. It means every parent will be on the phone sometimes. Every parent will not have time. Things are going on when we're adults, bringing in Parnoso, some health issues going on with family. And sometimes I find parents are so worried about that that they're too overcompensating. They're busy spending time with every kid, and the parents are able to manipulate it. Oh, you don't spend enough time with me. And no, I'm
8: that's po- not that's not my issue. I'm, I don't have that. That My problem is that I, I find ways not to always be so present with my children. Okay. Like, when it comes to the age where they need you emotionally, like, I sort of find myself being disconnected. And yes. also, like, in my relationships in general, like, sometimes I just tune people out because I wasn't given that, like, emotional attention as a child and teenager. So I have a hard time giving that now. And even though I've been to like, been through a lot of therapy, I still don't find it getting better.
1: What type so of therapy have the you ideas.
8: done?
0: What type of therapy mm-hmm? have you done?
8: So I did this kind of, ther- the only kind of therapy that really worked for me was when I la- I did CBT, like all the, how do you say, like um, surface stuff, like yes. on surface level. and then the uh, only I don't like that just really calling it surface was-
0: because I don't find CBT so surface. It actually does very good inner deep work as well. It depends who the therapist is. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't want to call that, no, uh, CBT does touch the subconscious, does touch that level, does touch that level. It's just not primarily focusing on that and not going into it, okay. but, okay, I just, I just need to defend CBT because it's a very powerful and fantastic tool, and I don't enjoy when we bash different systems, so, I'm sorry, I don't feel you're bashing it, I just want to clarify for the listeners not to think it's just surface. CBT done right is also very deep and introspective.
8: What okay. I found what was helpful for me was, like, more of, like, a, I don't even know exactly what I was called when I laid on this bed of different seasons of my childhood.
0: Yes. That's and more I, like, psychoanalysis.
8: And, and I was able to speak up for myself or
0: yes. like speak yes. up to my
8: mother and that kind of stuff. Yes, that it is really very much far. what I do.
0: Yes, that is called inner work, by the way.
8: Okay, So basically, I, it got me to a place where I was able to like, learn to trust and have like healthy relationships with people.
0: Fantastic.
8: But now, the woman that I was working with, she was very old. She got Alzheimer's. Yes. And thank God I got married. And now, like, I'm at a new stage in my life where I really feel I need to be doing some
0: work, but I don't really know where to go. That is called inner work. So again, I might refer you to call up relief and inner work. Yes, that's cool. The inner work, that's fantastic. That's actually what I do with people. This tuning in part is getting aware of your past, present, and even future because there are many different components that I add on to it, which is creating that image, creating now that self-confidence or that strength that you've put in that you've learned now almost visualizing with modeling it in different situations in past present and future yes i'm a huge believer in that okay now i have one more question go ahead and just then we'd like asking- to take some more callers cuz we've jumped you ahead of a couple okay, of people okay fine
8: so do you want to go
0: no no take it we'll just i'll okay, just address quick it question.
8: quick um, okay i have a sister she got married after me she's married for about 2 years she we come from a divorced home so it's not such smooth sailing Yes. Um, she tried to go to couples therapy with her husband, and it didn't. Wasn't so good. Like he he walked. He basically walked out in one of the sessions. He, he wasn't happy with the way she was speaking, and um, she tells me that it's. I told her maybe she should go to therapy by herself, but she says that then the therapist just validates her so much that she gets so annoyed at her husband. Yeah. So what would you suggest for somebody that definitely has issues? I think a lot of the issues are hers. He also has his stuff, but what would you suggest in such a situation?
0: Well, I'll share with you, and I've shared this many times, but I'll do a quick, quick, quick um, explanation that I call marriage counseling. And let's say that I define as a, almost a misunderstanding or like an overall basis. That people use certain terminologies that I find are incorrect, and we'll clarify marriage counseling. Now I'll do it as quick as we can because we want to take some of the questions.
4: Marriage okay. counseling
0: that I consider marriage counseling is what I consider wheel alignment. Means in a car, you got the two front tires, which are like the parent, which are like, which are representing mother and father. And when the steering wheel turns right, you need both tires turning right when the steering wheel turns left you need both turning left and when it goes a little to the right a little to the left you need the tires both going the same right like the same amount little left right and then the same amount little left what happens if one you turn the steering wheel right and one goes right and the other one goes left the car is going to be ripped apart to me marriage counseling right. means when you do wheel alignment means you're getting both tires turning the same amount so if let's say for me arab Chavez my father always helped at home so erev Chavez means be home And then let's say to my wife, it would be Arab Shabbos, the father is never in the house, and the mother does everything. Then if I'm in the house, she's going, you're always in my way. So marriage wheel alignment is when you teach the couple now, you have your style, I have my style. Now what's going to be our style? That is marriage counseling. However, what I find what happens is when most people come to me, quote unquote, for marriage counseling, the situation is a little bit different. Both tires have a flat tire. Means they've got through issues in their past that they're not able to do yet. Wheel alignment—we first got to get air in the tire. We got to, we got to patch up those 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 holes that there are there. And therefore, let's take it. Your mm-hmm. let's say your brother-in-law. The fact that he should walk out in the middle of marriage counseling is saying your brother's got issues. Brother-in-law's got issues. Cause I don't know anyone that ever walked out of my office or whatever unless they had major issues because the therapist will tell you stay calm stay quiet and we'll work on it right. for someone to say i right. can't handle it means either the therapist couldn't handle it or your brother-in-law's got major issues even if your sister-in-law is not healthy even if your sister is not healthy now what well, therefore when people usually don't enjoy doing my style couples counseling because my style yeah. couples counseling is we sit once or two or three times together Trying to do wheel alignment. We see that it's not a wheel alignment issue. We see it's the holes in the tire. And then I do about 10 sessions individually on each of them for about 10 weeks. So it's one session a week. Then we try to do marriage counseling. However, most people don't like it. Most people love coming to therapy. Most people like complaining about the other ones. We see the little results. They don't want to face their inner issues. And when I do the one-on-one therapy, we could never blame the husbands or the wives. So it can't be, oh, my husband talks, doesn't talk respectfully to me. It's going to be when people don't talk respectfully for me, I get triggered. Or I right. don't know how to deal with it. I make them deal with their issues where the husband or the wife is mirroring. Right. But that's just my little take on it. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. And we're going to go to Moshe on line three. Moshe, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah. We should go to Ruhi first. All right, let's go to Ruchi. Ruchi, you're on line one. We're taking you. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. And thank you for holding. And we will take you next. I, you wait guys.
6: Every, I wait every Tuesday for your radio
0: station. I really enjoy it. Okay, my pleasure. Yes, the number to call in is 718 683 Seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight, 718-683-5858, and we're going to take your question, Rohi, and then we are going to read some of the questions that we got. Okay, yes.
6: my first question is, um, my daughter blinks with her eyes. How old is your daughter? She is nine.
0: Okay, yes.
6: She's doing it for a while, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do for it.
0: That's a little bit... Um, Um, too little information. Explain to me what blinking with the eye means.
6: Um, she doesn't even, she doesn't feel she's doing it. She, I checked her out a few years, like a few years ago. She had PAMDA. She took antibiotic. Okay. And then she never stopped.
0: Okay. Um, did you do a re, did you redo a blood test after that?
6: No, I didn't. The The doctor told me that one dose of antibiotic is enough.
0: That's very true, but if it doesn't go away, the symptoms, we still double-check that.
6: Right, okay. I it's go still, take
0: it still can be that, which means it still can be that issue.
6: Is, is it dangerous, or it's just going to be a habit if I neglect it? Um, I'm not a medical doctor.
0: I really don't have that much experience with it, so I don't know. I'm saying I just know about pandas. Pandas is, for those of you listening, which is very interesting, but... If, some, if a kid has got strep too many times, something can sort of stay in the blood, which starts causing emotional issues. So you have children also, they can start getting very wild, start developing tics, start pulling out their hair like twitches, start being acting very interesting. And one of the things when those that professionalize, those that deal with specifically with kids that you ask if they have pandas, and pandas is something you can actually see on the blood test. And they usually take um, antibiotics. I don't remember how long, if it's for 10 days or for a month. I remember that you're taking antibiotics. It usually should heal it. But if it's not being healed, then uh, either we go for a reblood test to make sure it's clear. Sometimes, as we know many times, people can take antibiotics. And usually antibiotics should heal strep, let's say, in 10 days. But sometimes it doesn't. And that's why if your throat still hurts, you go back for a checkup. Okay. Now, when you're saying your 9-year-old is, let's say, Twitching the eyes. Sometimes it can be either a learned behavior because they had the pandas, so they're stuck with it. It can be stress. It could be a lot of points that's going on out there.
6: Right. Um, thank you. I want to. Know, I spoke to you the other week um, about a teacher that put her in the back seat. You told me to call up the principal and put a complaint.
0: Um, remind me again about the teacher that put her in the back seat. I usually remember questions, and this one it's not trigger, It's not bringing up. What is the question again?
6: I, I, they, she's short and they put her all the way in the back in the corner in the last seat. And the teacher didn't notice her and gave her, gave out stencils for review and she didn't get one. Yes, Raising your hand the whole time and. yes. The teacher didn't call on her. After class, my daughter went over and told her she didn't get a review stencil, so her teacher gave it to her. Right. I wrote a note to the teacher that they should please change her seat, the English and, and Yiddish. They didn't do anything about it. So I left a message for the teacher to call me. They called me. They told me they're working on it. I waited another two weeks. They didn't change her seat. I called the principal. And the principal claims that my daughter um, is very smart and very well-behaved, so that's why they put her there. But she'll speak to her teacher, and it's already a week and a half, and nothing has been done. Okay,
0: now I would do something, one more step, which I, now I remember your question. I also remembered my suggestion to you, and that is not just send notes, as I told you, because you told me you sent notes in the past and it didn't work. I told you to actually go down physically.
6: Oh, God, I called, right. You told I we called
0: you to call, and then I said, if that doesn't work well enough, you go down physically. When parents, when sh- when teachers see a parent is involved, things happen. The more you're involved, the more it happens.
6: Right. Do you think that has to do with blinking her eyes, sitting all the way in the back in the corner? You
0: said she had it since she had pandas, which was a couple of years ago. So that definitely can help out. But I don't. I like focusing more on cause. If she's doing it for five, six years, let's not blame the teachers of this year.
6: Right. Right. Yes.
0: Yeah, so. They um, so say I
6: should go down physical and speak to the teacher or the
0: principal? Go down first with the teacher and tell the teacher, why didn't my kids change? I want to see it's changing. And tell me by which day the seat is going to be changed. And right. then if that doesn't work, then you go to the straight to the principal's office. You told me it's going to work. And in most schools, what they do is they have a rotation system. It means they change every month the rows or they change every two weeks. So everyone's got an equal chance to be in the front and the back, and you can demand it. You have a right as a parent to demand. Why yes, are they neglecting do. my calls? Why are they not? Why they're I don't n- want to get to that. I don't know why we're not here too. We don't, we're not interested why they're not. We're interested how you're going to get them. Yes. The right. focus is what? Yes. And right. many times they know from experience, if you just ignore something, it goes away. And therefore, if you want things done, you gotta be. You got to go ahead and do that. Right. All right. Thanks a lot. Very, very well. I appreciate that. Um, okay. Let's go ahead, and I'll take one or two more questions that there were. Um, uh, first, we'll take a text. Should we take a caller? You know, let's read. We'll take that last caller, but let's just do a question or two. First, let's go back to the Lakewood scoop. of Yeah. Hi, Mordechai. Thanks very much for everything you do. I'm a 14-year-old girl that's very spiritually growth inclined. There are many positives to this character trait, as well as few negatives. One of the negatives is that it's really hard for me to make friends because the girls in my class are more into other things. My ideal conversation is about Hashem, is about growing and stuff like that. Girls my age like talking about shopping and their nieces and teachers and other boring stuff like that. The classmates say, I'm too deep. Is that true? Should I work on enjoying stuff normal teens do? And the answer is balance. I got to tell you, I happen to agree with you and I happen to feel for you because I, I like considering myself someone like that. It means I love deep conversations. I love listening to deep um, Sifre Machshava, or re- learning deep Sifre Machshava, and I also enjoy listening to some of the shir and Bal Darsham, that we have that go very deep. But what we've got to learn is life's got to be balanced. You've got to be able to enjoy the cooking and the cleaning and those talking about clothing. And that balance, if you can learn to master that, is fantastic, because you're going to find chances are there, a bunch of the way his Mazavik Zivugim is, you're going to have a husband that will appreciate all the rachnis that you do, but at the same time, the of them happens to make a way of taking two opposites, two different natures, putting them together. So chances are your husband is going to like clothing and be interested in having a better and nicer looking this and that. So the goal in life is, I find, to always grow. So find someone that you can talk about your spiritual growth. But at the same time, find someone and learn how you can appreciate and enjoy the companies, the teachers, the nieces, the shopping, and things like that. Balance is important. To number seven, yes, my friend, I am with you. And it's, Oi Hashem, I'm crying as I'm listening to Rab talk. Please ask him to share his Tehillim name, Mordechai. Yes, and I want you to know, Rab this sounds like an older, mature person. And as I said then, sounds like an extremely intelligent and successful person. And for whatever reason, for whatever medical conditions he's got, the Rabbi Nishlelem has decided and say that the medicine and the treatment that they have today one of the negative side effects to keep him alive, for him to be around, is something that has a negative side effect of severe and deep depression. And nothing has worked. And yes, our heart goes out to you. And if if you'd like to share your name or if you feel, unfortunately, for whatever reason, for confidentiality, you don't want your name shared. We can understand that. But I myself have said to Hillam several times and the is a mach We can just say a capital to him and the will help. Another question we have from the Lakewood Scoop Hello, my husband's mother is probably a borderline personality. I wanted to find out if it's hereditary. I have been having trouble with my six year old lately and she yells uncontrollably, I please her a bite, She, I'm saying this. She yells, You hate me. Please, to be diagnosed borderline, you meet, need to be minimum 18 years old and other criteria I'm not going to go into. This is normal age appropriate. That's why I've made the request. And from now on, we don't take questions about children under the age of nine. Almost all the questions that I've gotten are so far age-appropriate, age-appropriate, age-appropriate. Your kid is acting age-appropriate for six-year-olds to say, Tati, I hate you. Mommy, I hate you. And what you need is parenting skills, parenting classes. They'll teach you how to deal with it and how to train it. It's very easy to change it. But you got to take control and know that it is age-appropriate. You know what? We're going to jump to one last question that someone sent in. And um, I'll just read this on the air and coming from the Lakewood Scoop, as they've asked. Daughter just recently got divorced after a very brief marriage to a boy that had a lot of mental issues, with, which included neediness, possessiveness, and controlled behaviors, which barely showed up during their dating and engagement period. They went for therapy, but wasn't, he wasn't willing to correct his behaviors. I want to pass along two important issues. One, if you ask information about someone and you know negative information, please do not... Please wait. What is this? How do we go there? The information about this person. Do not give a glowing report. Whether you're a friend, family, rebbe, or teacher, if you are not comfortable with answering the question, just explain that. As, that, just explain that or answer something that will indicate a red flag. Secondly, once you are in a situation like being engaged or already married, please let everyone know that if something doesn't feel right, tell someone about it. Speak to a person, a Chasa rebbe, a Kala teacher. It will probably not get better with time. And you might not be able to fix this by yourself. Get help. So we want you to realize that, to please get help. So from this listener, from this person, from the message on the Lakewood Scoop, thank you very much. I appreciate that. We got two minutes to go. Should we take the last caller? Let's go ahead. Let's finish off with a the caller then. You're on the ear. Um, your name is Sarah. Hello, Sarah. You're on the ear. We got two minutes to go. So let's take your question and we'll see if we can answer it.
9: Hello. um, I've got a quick question. It's about therapy in general. Can I ask um, where you're calling from?
0: You're calling with a British accent, from America or from England?
9: From Europe, yeah. From Europe. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so I just wanted to say, so I'm going to this new therapist who seems really good, but the problem is that, that she's got two things in, in her terms which seem, they they make me feel a bit trapped, and I just want to know if it's normal or not. So so one of the things is that actually charges for every single missed session even if you tell her I'm going away in 10 weeks, you have to either pay her or um, or make it up another week. Okay. Um, like I can't take a holiday. And then the other thing is that she says if I want to, when I want to close therapy, there has to be a full week, um, like notice time. I have to give her. You and have to give her a week's like notice
0: I... in advance, correct? Sorry? You mean you have to tell her a, a week in advance before you're going to stop?
9: No, four weeks.
0: Four, Four weeks in advance. And I find that quite a lot. Okay, just give me a second. Aaron, how long do we have? Let me just see with the timing. Okay, so let's, let's clarify what's going on over here. And I'm going to try as best as with an assumption. Number one, let's understand something. And that's a difficulty that clients sort of have with me. And let's clarify. When a therapist has a private practice, they need to make a living. And what happens with clients are they want an appointment. They want an appointment that works for them. And let's assume you have a client at 3 o'clock. That's what they want. You cannot take another client in that space because therapy is something that you need to do continuous. Now, -hmm. let's assume 3 o'clock is for you, and you're going to go away in 10 weeks from now. They're going to lose out on that appointment. Now, Mm -hmm. generally, and here I'm going to be very clear, that's not the, the method in therapy is where you are allowed to miss appointments. means if you give enough notice, many times the therapist will have someone else that can take it over a one-time question or a therapy that, w- or a client that wants to come back. However, why they make you give, why I give at least a two-day notice is because if someone cancels that day or the day before, just before closing, and also you got three hours to fill it up, you have just calling up people to fill it up is very difficult. Now it's also a business, means the person has to survive. So taking the money is important because they need to survive, they need to be there for you, give you the time. Giving you notice is important. Now, many times, so now, this therapist that they don't let you ever cancel is very questionable. That's definitely not the norm anywhere. So everyone understands that. But I'm just giving a little clarification what can be going through her mind. So most therapists ask for two, three days advanced notice. Never being able to cancel is very extreme. And the second point, when they might ask for four weeks notice in advance is because since you're going for a long time, the therapist needs to put someone, and they need to find someone that's exactly for that slot, and mm-hmm. to fill that slot might take them some time. So if we want to be considerate for the therapist and look at them as human beings, we also want to be able to take care of them, and take and have them into consideration. Four weeks is a long time, yes. And usually, never letting you cancel is also extreme. I would. She
9: said me- she would let me cancel. She would let me cancel, but I'd have to, but I would have to make it up another time, or I'd have to pay her.
0: Well, making up another time sometimes is one of the therapeutic models that I find. Sometimes clients come six appointments, they get better, then they stop for three months, and, I I'm falling back. So many times what therapists do is they want to make sure you're consistent. I might actually take that idea, by the way, from that therapist now. Tell them, you can cancel, but if you're in therapy, you must take the sessions until we're done. Let's stop playing around. But that's I'm just a different style. I'm a lot more easier, but I am very strict about the two days' notice. Or the day's notice, which again that I That would a se- make
9: sense to me. That would make sense. It just makes me feel trapped, the fact that I can never take a holiday and I have yes, to pay
0: every That definitely that is definitely something and sometimes a client can tell me I just can't afford it. So we do sessions every other week and I try to work with a person. It is more trapping and just to relate to you I can sympathize, but everyone's got something, so we take them. If you're growing and if it's going well, then yep
9: it's i've just started it so i should, so it's not a controlling behavior and i should just like continue
0: it's your choice That's it's always fine. your choice i just gave a little understanding to why therapists do things however this okay. method of never being able to cancel and miss is a bit extreme But this is something you can actually discuss with her as well. I'm a big believer in discussing these issues with the therapist. It gives you the Mm -hmm. strength, the confidence for you to grow, for you to be powerful, for you to confront people and do it in a healthy manner where we're not attacking, but we're clarifying. And you're allowed to say, I want to know that I have a break as well. Even everyone's got a break. You know, there's six days of work. There's one day Shabbos. You know, you got to be able to have a break as well and discuss it.
9: Right, I tried to, but she just was talking about my feelings, and she understood that she just wasn't back down. Okay, so then everyone downs.
0: has got a right to make their rules, and if we choose to work with them, then we choose to go along with those yes. rules. And that's your okay. choice. Thank you for calling in from England. Hope it gives a little insight, and um, looking forward to having you guys all next week. And thank you all, Aaron. Thank you all. Hatzlacha, and be well.